0: In the name of one God who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. St. Cross, if we were sitting together in the sanctuary this week, this is a sermon that I would come out and I would preach in the pews to be with you, to be among you as we begin a conversation. While preaching online has some perks like, Ooh, I said that wrong and I can redo that and you're none the wiser. It has two major drawbacks for me. One is that I can't see you when I preach. And the second is I don't get to be in conversation with you at coffee hour about your questions or what you heard or your challenges back to me. And I miss this. So I hope that as I preach today, this is a beginning of a discussion, not only between you and me, but between all of us. As God continues to call us deeper into our faith. Right before quarantine started in March, I was fortunate enough to travel with nine of our parishioners on a civil rights pilgrimage to the South, mostly in Alabama. The amazing, compassionate, and skillful Sister Patricia Sarah put this together as part of a peace and justice, but more than that initiative. And I had been wanting to do one of these for ages and I was so excited and I asked if I could come along and join and lend my support as I too wanted to learn and I too wanted to walk where those of the civil rights movement had and I too wanted to pray and I wanted to learn. Our first stop after landing in Atlanta and spending a day there was in Birmingham, Alabama, with a tour of the 16th Street Baptist Church that was bombed in 1963. Our wonderful welcoming guide was very clear that the church's focus was on Jesus, not on being a tourist destination. And he led us through the sanctuary He led us through the events of the bombing and the weeks and the months and the years since then of their ongoing commitment to the civil rights movement. And then we gathered towards the front of the sanctuary and circled up arm in arm as one did in the days of civil rights protests and together we sang, We Shall Overcome. And it was deeply moving. But then I looked up And I saw the pulpit on the podium—the very pulpit where Martin Luther King Jr. had preached in previous months before the bombings, and the Holy Spirit nudged me as she is prone to do, especially when you're on pilgrimage. And I turned to the guide and I shyly asked, would it be indiscreet or arrogant of me to go and stand in the pulpit? Because you see, preaching is a conversation with the congregation even if the congregation doesn't speak during your sermon. And I wanted to see what it was like from the preacher's point of view in a place where many, many of the civil rights greats had spoken hard truths and words of encouragement. I wanted to plant my feet where, previously, where previous great leaders had stood. And the guide looked at me and chuckled, and he gave me permission, so I stepped up into the pulpit platform and I put my hands on a Bible that was sitting open. And as I put my hands on that Bible and I closed my eyes, I prayed. I gave thanks for the witness and the courage of the leaders of the Civil Rights Movement. And yes, I gave thanks for the current leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement. And then I prayed about me as a church leader and a preacher. And I listened for God's word. And I wondered to myself how would I have led St. Cross if I had been your leader in 1963? knowing that we have what I call a purple parish, people staunchly on each side of every political issue. I wondered if I would have the courage to speak the truth of the gospel as I know it to be a gospel of liberation and justice, knowing that some would be put off or upset. I wondered if I would be able to live up to my family's upbringing and teaching of always being on the side of those who need help the most. The African-American community in Compton after the Watts riots, the gay community during the AIDS outbreak, and the Latino community as the population shifted in my hometown. And then as I stood there, I said to myself, I'm kind of relieved I don't live in those times. I'm getting off a little easy. I have a splendid parish, and this moment doesn't demand my direct preaching on such issues. And then the deaths of Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Arbery and George Floyd sparked a fire on a long-simmering issue of race in our country. The vestry and I talked about it at our June meeting about racism and privilege, wondering what we needed to say, where did we need to listen, what are we called to do? And true to St. Cross Forum, I can't say that we all agreed. We didn't all land in the same place. But as we spoke, I knew that my call, my responsibility as your rector, is that you and I need to have an honest talk about where I am and where I hope we are and where I believe St. Cross as a Christian community has work to do. As I have said before, we can all agree that racism is a sin and I think I hope we can also agree that racism is not absent in our country or in the communities in which we live. Institutional and systemic racism is pervasive and it makes it difficult for people of color, particularly African Americans, to have equal footing in our country. Now let me be clear about two things at this point. One is, you can disagree with me — that's the heart of the Saint Cross tradition. And when we disagree, I would challenge you, just as I challenge myself, to wonder if our hard-held truths uphold the oppression of another. And second, I am always clear. That following Jesus is about bringing about God's transforming love into the world, and it does not involve guilt or putting shame or blame on any one person. It is not about saying, you're a racist and you're bad. No. I believe it was Thomas Keating who said that guilt is an unhelpful emotion. Guilt and shame they are a part of our lives and they come in and they can paralyze us, but our faith doesn't call us to sit in paralysis or annoyance or fear. Our faith as Christians is not passive. Our faith insists on action, on our participation, on our dynamically demonstrating God's love to every single human being equally that guilt i felt in the pulpit that day it cannot and it will not paralyze me as the jesus movement that we are a part of christianity is not about sitting where we are feeling comfortable or righteous or that we've done it all or that look at my stack of good works rather the jesus movement is about an un Ending call to bring about love. It is a job that is never finished. The Jesus Movement is about an unending call to bring about justice, especially, especially to communities where justice has been elusive. The Jesus Movement is more than just that, though. It is actually moving. Do you hear that? The Jesus Movement we are being called to move to change our hearts and to turn to turn so that you and I can change the world in which we live and i know i know personally i know for all of us that turning our god our hearts to god it is not always comfortable It is not always easy. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. And yet that is exactly what we are called to do. Because you see, turning our hearts to God is repentance. It is repentance. And repentance is not easy. It isn't facile and it just comes with a few words of, I'm sorry. Repentance is more than words. It is a call to action. A call to change the status quo. Sometimes we will make mistakes along the way as we repent and that is okay because our faith is founded on forgiveness. But we have to be willing to act and maybe even get it wrong to know that that forgiveness exists. And may we never forget as we act that with every step we take on our faith journey, God is right there walking alongside us. We are never alone. So at this time, when our country has been plunged into a chaos that none of us really expected, as we spend our days questioning one another's truth, and honesty and motive and so on. The one thing that binds us together that we know we can depend on is our faith. We can turn to our faith. We can be quiet. And We can listen as I did on that pulpit, firmly rooted in scripture listening for God's call. We can listen to those whose identity is different than our own and hear their truth. Remember, we can only speak the truth of our own identity, not that of someone else. You and I, we can listen with care and compassion even when we don't agree. We can ask ourselves what our faith calls us to do in this moment. We must read Jesus' stories again and again, asking ourselves how do Jesus' actions speak to our current times. We can read books, we can watch movies, we can ask questions, we can go to seminars, we can get it wrong in trying to get it right, and most of all, we can extend compassion compassion. And if we fail, we get up in the name of Jesus and we try again. So I invite you to begin a conversation with someone with anyone with me. You all have my email. Begin a conversation about why maybe is it uncomfortable for you to talk about race? Or maybe it's a conversation about what is it you are called to do differently than you are now. Maybe it is a conversation about how to find courage. But begin a conversation. So that as faithful Christians, we can all act to repent for the sin of racism. God is with us in our courage to transform our hearts so that we can transform the world, amen.